Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun, for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, I'm John Maybe, playwright of A Tragedy of Owls, and you are listening to Gather by the Ghostlight. Alright, good day everyone. This is Gathered by the Ghostlight, original stories for, that's right, Radio Theater. I'm Jonathan Cook, your host, producer, and sometimes voice actor on this thing. Welcome back and thank you all for tuning in and, and leaving the ratings and the reviews. Man, you guys are awesome and I'm glad you're here. And also, special shout out to listener Stratton Rushing for his generous donation at our Buy Me a Coffee link. Thank you so much, good sir, for contributing to this month's production costs. Now, for today's episode, we are continuing Maybe Month with another new audio play written by Atlanta-based playwright John Maybe. This one is called A Tragedy of Owls, and it's a historical drama based on actual people and events from history. After a successful anti-Nazi attack, two Dutch co-conspirators meet in prison, attorney Lau Mazarell and author Willem Arandos. One is free, and the other is facing death, and both have an urgent but opposing plea for the other. Now, gather around the ghost light, sit back and enjoy. This is A Tragedy of Owls, written by John Maybe, and be sure to stick around after the story to hear an interview with this writer. Hold still. Nothing gets done when we hold still. Quiet. Why? My fate is certain and short. I just prefer modesty. <laughs> Oh, it hurts when you laugh. And breathe. Even your wounds have wounds. It's not right. In the trial... Nothing is right anymore. Laws are a joke. Laws of my life. The law is what you do. What happened that night is who you are. We are all many things. And right now, are you friend or attorney? There's not much time. And I need something. As friend or attorney? Everything's intertwined. <laughs> so you're not answering my question. I just did. But you never listen. Even when it's more than your life I'm trying to save. Oh, come here. Let me clean your face. Oh, shouldn't bother. The Nazis toss bruised fruit, whether it's washed or not. 
So much will be washed away in the end. Unless, unless we make it known. It's okay to be frightened. None of this is coming from fear. We don't have the luxury of lies today. Oh, I'm only frightened for others. Like should. What? I, I've never heard that name. We are running out of time. And that's the second time you've lied. Possibly third. Leaf. They already know. He, he was nowhere near the bombing. Willem, they already know everything. The two of you. But there's a chance for him to live. To live or to have a life. They are the same. Our invisible cages are still cages. If you and he could simply renounce any sort of intimate... <laughs> Was it worth it? Oh, do you mean bombing the Nazi records? My relationship with Short or the left? Hi, Willem. Yes, it was. All of it. All of it. And before you leave, I, I need something too. From friend or attorney? Sure, is, is he... Looking like you? Yes, but less combative. <laughs> He rarely speaks anyway. Right now he can barely move his lips. They never heal quickly when split. You need to deliver a message. Make it short. I have no tools for writing. Even had to remove my hairpin before coming into your cell. No small mercies. What do you want him to know? Not him. It's for the court. I need you to confirm that yes... I am what they say. Willem, you clearly don't mean... A homosexual. And so is short. And neither of us were cowards. <laughs> they beat you harder than I thought. I don't expect you to understand. But you expect me to be an accomplice to his death? We're both already gone. He doesn't need to be. The evidence is weaker. The sooner you admit it's out of your hands. You'd know better than anyone what these hands have done. What they can do. What they've already risked. Who was it? No one betrayed you. If so, then sure it would be far, far away from here. There was a notebook discovered when they searched your apartment one you tried to burn tried? some things are very difficult to destroy oh, oh, I betrayed myself then all of us if you truly believe that then help me now deny there was ever a relationship between you two of that sort when I first met him on the side of the road Short was crouching in tears. I already know this story. Not the most important part. Willem, the gods will return any minute. I discovered this frail, tiny man holding another frail, tiny creature cradled to his breast. Neither seemed to have long to live. Wings crushed, eyes wide, outcasts. 
Willem, focus. This stranger cradling a baby owl as war raged all around. And I held my discovery as he held his. A tiny act of courage that sparked a love that lit a fuse that helped thousands to live. The verb doesn't want to know such things, Willem. It never will. Not his outcasts. Just imagine. Imagine if we defined ourselves. That's what I'm asking. You won't have to live with what you're asking. I will. But I won't. I know I will just be erased. I... I woke suddenly. There was a sound outside our bedroom window. Someone moving in the darkness. I gripped the knife as Sjord and I went outside. Suddenly we saw it. In the trees. Then another... I swear there was two, then three, then four, then so many surrounding us. I knew what it meant. We've already said our goodbyes. It's rare to see so many owls. Perhaps it was all a dream. The dream was everything that came before. (laughs) Parliament. It's called a Parliament of Owls. Terrible name. (laughs) And yet... I wonder what they'd call themselves if given the chance to... Help me, Lau. 800,000 identity cards were destroyed that day. Thousands of Jews escaped. But no one will ever celebrate that a homosexual, even several, did anything brave, let alone believe it. But you'll know... I'm no one, not even very good at my job based on today. We are all many things, remember? I'm not sure I still believe that. An act of courage, anyway. It's hard being courageous when you're frightened, terrified. Maybe they actually look the same. Since then? Since you. Let it be known. Let it be known. Willem Arondos and Shord Backer were both executed a month later on July 1st, 1943. After the Netherlands was liberated in 1945, the Dutch government awarded the entire group of resistance fighters a posthumous medal. But, due to homophobia, the contributions of Willem, Shord, and the rest of its openly LGBT members were largely erased from public acknowledgement. In the 1980s, these LGBT resistance fighters were finally given full recognition. They were posthumously awarded the Resistance Memorial Cross, as well as recognized as Righteous Among the Nations by Yad Vashem, Israel's official memorial to Holocaust victims. Lau Mazrael lived for another 30 years, She dedicated her career to resistance activities throughout World War II, even getting arrested herself in 1944 for rescuing Jewish children on deportation trains. After the war, she became a leader in the fight for LGBT rights. That was A Tragedy of Owls, written by John Maybe. It was performed by Amy Patton as Lau and myself as Willem. 
I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun, for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. We are back again with the writer, John Maybe, who was the writer of the story you just heard, A Tragedy of Owls. Welcome back, John. Let's continue our conversation from last time. Hey, Jonathan. I'm so glad to be back. So we're just gonna we're just gonna kind of dive right into this wonderful, tragic little play he wrote, uh, "A Tragedy of Owls." Now, this is sort of like a dramatic interpretation of of uh, these real life people and how you kind of imagine their conversation went uh, during this real life incident so i mean what you obviously did your research so give us um a little a little your background and and why you decided to write this play yeah it's um there are so many um you know gay and lesbian and queer and trans figures throughout history that are are so little known um for a variety of reasons and we're just starting to learn more about them now and i think uh willem and lao were two characters um uh that are you know in this play but they're real life people they um, they played such an important role in history, and uh, I'm glad they're becoming more well-known now. I've been hearing more about them specifically in the past year, but um, I think living overseas, I lived overseas for uh, almost 10 years and split my time between Amsterdam and London, and um, this play takes place in Amsterdam um, during World War II, and uh, where I lived in Amsterdam was so close to where so much of this happened. And I, a part of that is, you know, when you, when you live in a city like Amsterdam, you're surrounded by history wherever you go. Uh, there, there's, there's something historic. And there were many similarities and parallels between, um, uh, aspects of the story and, and where I was living and where I volunteered, uh, and these real life people. And so I felt, excited to write this uh, dramatic interpretation of this real life event. Yeah. So uh, tell us about your time in Amsterdam. Now, did you already know about these characters before you lived there? Or did you learn about them while you were there? Or did you not learn about them until you got back? Because honestly, for me, until I read your play, I was not familiar with um, these real life people. But, you know, reading your play and I kind of did my own research, you know, preparing and everything. Um, so w w when when did this story really grab you and make you want to write it? 
Yeah, it, the story itself, I think, really grabbed me once I left. Uh, I became uh, more familiar with with uh, the Dutch resistance fighters and, and their role in history, their very significant role in history. While I lived in Amsterdam with Remembrance Day, where we remembered um, so many people that played such an important role during that time. And uh, I didn't exactly know the specifics of Willem's life and, and Lau's life until I left Amsterdam and I was living back stateside. But as, as I was doing the research, uh, I, I found some uh, amazing parallels and similarities between uh, my time in Amsterdam. For instance, um, uh, the bombing of the civil uh, registry office, it happened just a few blocks away from where I lived. And uh, Lau herself, she worked for an organization that I volunteered with when I first moved to Amsterdam. That's awesome. Yeah, so uh, it was great to find these um, connections with them. And I feel like that was a good entryway for me into the story. And what's hard, I think, about writing about real people, and this is my first experience writing about real people, is staying true to who they were uh, as real people and dramatizing the parts that I don't have access to. And this prison visit is true to history. And the end of the play where Willem asks Lau uh, to let it be known about, about, about him and them and their, and, 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 and being gay, uh, that is all true to history as well. Uh, but the other parts, uh, I, I did, I did research. Uh, I looked at their backgrounds. I looked at, uh, the group's history and I tried to connect the dots as much as I could to create something that was fictionalized because we don't have any record of their, of the rest of their conversation, but was emotionally truthful to what I knew about them and their lives. Yeah. And you, you did a clever thing when you titled this play, um, Willem was an author and he wrote these two books. I, I forget the name of them, but you probably know them right on the top of your head. Well, yeah, it was The Owl's House and The Tragedy of the Dream. And so I sort of created a tragedy of owls from those titles. Yeah, and that's, that's a really uh, a clever little way to do that because you took these two novels that he'd written and you just kind of made a title of it and you kind of incorporated that into um, the, the dream he was talking about and all that and how he found... Um, short and all that and um, yeah it was uh, so, so so well done and I know this play has been produced on stage right yes yeah I was able to see ironically this was the most amazing coincidence it was produced the same weekend last month in the city where I grew up Phoenix Arizona and in London UK where I, I lived for a couple of years it oh. was at the same weekend it was on stage in both locations and I was able to see the Phoenix production Oh, that's nice. And and then also it was accepted to Smith and Krauss. They're going to publish it in their best 10 minute plays of 2023. Yes, I'm so excited. That comes out later this year. So I'm so excited for that to be included. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's always a good feeling when you get that <laughs> that notification that they're going to publish your work. And that, you know, this is definitely a a perfect play, you know, I, I would call it one of the, my, the best plays I've read in 2023 for sure. So. Oh, Jonathan, thank you. That, that, thank you. It's a huge compliment. And being in that that volume it it feels really good because 
um, uh, there's so many playwrights uh, that I'm able to read their work for the first time because I'm seeing it there. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, there's so many writers and so many works out there. It's great to have a chance to just meet new writers through their their words. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so just kind of venturing off to um, some other creative things you do. We haven't talked about this before, but you, from what I understand, you do improv and you have your own little maybe solo show. And I was one, I was kind of I was hoping that the voice actress Amy could have joined in on this conversation because she's an improv. She does Im improv locally, and I'm sure you two oh, have a lot to talk about because you do your own. Uh, from what I saw online, you do your own one man show as an improv show called Maybe Solo. And I was just wondering if you could just tell us what that is all about. Yeah, thanks. It's uh, and it really connects uh, so beautifully to uh, to writing plays to, uh, from doing a solo improv show and writing plays. For me, it almost feels like the same thing. Um, a, a time when I was living overseas and I, I didn't know anybody and I was at this improv night and I took a chance and just went up on stage to do solo improv. I had never done it before. I had never like seen it really done. And I, I just decided I was going to be brave and just try it out. And I, I did a scene where I played three characters and it just organically grew from character to character uh, as if I was sitting at my computer and, and writing a 10 minute play. And uh, for me, it was just writing a 10 minute play, but out loud. And uh, the audience was so generous and supportive. They they loved it. Uh, they started booking me for their improv nights, and I did it. Uh, I, I did it in different countries, uh, and it really connects to my writing because when I sit down to write, say like a ten minute play. Um, I, I use the same strategy where I, I start with a character. It's for me, it's always very character based. It's never, it's never, um, uh, really like, Oh, I have this great idea for like this plot or this setting. It really starts for me with character and improv is the same way. You have to have a very strong dynamic character. Yeah. So in your time of doing these one man improv shows, have you ever, cause a lot, you know, improv, you're coming up with it in the moment. Have you ever just, came up with stuff one night and been like, man, I need to write that down and, and kind of made a play out of it, you know, based on one of your improv nights that you did. Yeah, thanks. It um there there was one there was one I did um that uh my husband David comes to all it came to all of my shows. Like he was my my biggest fan and uh biggest supporter. And there was there was one night that this was in uh in London. Yeah, London. Um uh, that he said he was like, worried for me because this was like, it was supposed to be an improv comedy night. Like everything was supposed to be a bit lighthearted. And I started the scene where, um, uh, I'll, I'll give you the basic setup is I would have a member of the audience come up on stage and position my body in a certain uh, position, like whatever they wanted to do. Like I was a human Gumby. They would just position me <laughs> however. And, and that was to show the audience that I was starting with their suggest like nothing was pre-planned. And then as in that position, I'd start moving around and I would discover a voice that would fit the posture. And then I would start walking around stage with a, a, a certain walk inspired by the posture and the voice. And I'd launch into a monologue as a character. And that night, uh, the way that I was positioned, I imagined myself on this cliff about to jump off a cliff. And uh, I, I, in the moment, you know, it's all improvised. I didn't know why 
I was this character that was on a cliff and why I was jumping. Like, was I running from someone? Like what was go? I had no idea, but I launched into a monologue and the monologue that I wrote on the spot and delivered was uh, one about someone who was thinking about ending their life. And I'm someone who like, I take suicide very seriously. I, I write a lot about suicide, not as a plot device, but as something uh, to really be explored in terms of mental health. And I was, I was in the scene where I was giving a monologue about my own mental health as this character. And it was very, very deep and heavy. And my husband said he was watching that moment and he was like worried for me, like this, like, how are you going to make this lighthearted and funny? Cause it was, it was, he said it was very engaging, but it was just very dramatic. And as I was delivering this very dramatic monologue, I imagined there was a character behind me. And I didn't know who this character was, but when I finished the monologue, I stepped back and became that character. And I made that character someone who was a bit, who very different from the main character, from the first character. And uh, the story became how these two, these two characters were both there to jump that day. Uh, but their, their personalities were very different. One was very dark one was a bit more lighthearted if you could believe it and by the end of this improvised one act play that i delivered the two characters sort of saved each other through their connection and um the i like and i it did get laughs but not until the end <laughs> but I, it felt like that the comedy was very earned because the audience was very invested but it was scary because I'm like, how am I going to make this like a bit more lighthearted for the audience? No one came to an improv night expecting to see something so dramatic. Yeah, that's I mean, I got to see one of these shows. Do you ever do these in like Atlanta or anything or you had a chance to? Yeah. So when I moved to so when I finally moved from Europe back stateside to Atlanta, um, I started coaching and teaching improv at a theater here uh, and I was getting back into it. And then, you know, the big uh pandemic happened and when things sort of came back again the theater that i was doing that at was no longer wanting to do improv i personally became more invested in in writing and i was you know doing less on stage so it was sort of it sort of just faced itself out a bit but i still have the itch to do it and i'm excited to do it again if the occasion arises yeah, definitely let me know if you do. I have a, a listener question here. Um, this, oh, comes wow. from, uh, this comes from Marion Thibodeau. She wants to know, which show have you written that's taken the biggest emotional toll? Is there one that just sticks out that just kind of really hit you emotionally as you were writing it or maybe when you were done and you're reading back through it? Oh, wow. That's a great question. You know, I, actually, Jonathan, I think it would be the, the the play that you came to see, A Complicated Hope. Mm -hmm. um, that one's a full length. And that one took a lot out of me uh, personally uh, because it, it explored um, grief and loss and connection, but also spirituality and a disconnection from the religion that you thought was the your chosen religion but then you found something else it, it was ugh, so many personal things that connected to my life i, I put into that play uh and i was able i i, I think I, I mentioned this last time I, I was able to put some distance between me and the work mm -hmm. because I, I i changed the characters so the characters weren't me but there's so much of me in each character and there were times when i was writing that play 
that I would, I, I would cry and I would just have to stop and then come back to it. And then watching the performances, uh, it, it would just, it would bring all that back to me. Saying that would be the play where I feel like I took the biggest uh, emotional risk there. Because she's going to hear your answer. I'll have to send her your script so that she can read the play you're talking about. <laughs> I would love it if she did. Thanks. Yeah, I, I've actually, I've loved um, seeing the success of that play, A Complicated Hope, because you've had a lot of productions and it's even published now, right? Um, what's, is it dramatic publishing that, that grabbed? Publishing, yes. Yeah. Yes. So if anyone wants to license it, they'd have to get in touch with dramatic publishing um, to get the rights to it. But it's a, it's a great play. I think it, it theaters out there should, should be doing this like in their seasons, every single one of them. Oh, thank you so much, Jonathan. Yeah. And it, it's one that is like heavy, but also there's, there's a lot of lightness to it as well. Uh, there's, there's, there's like, there's like, there's really funny laugh out loud moments at the same time. And now that I'm talking to you about this, I'm, 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 I'm kind of putting together like that's what I think I really like to write. I like to write really heavy things with some very surprising comedy. And I think that's I hadn't really thought about that too much, but just saying all this out loud, I think that's what I what I like to do. Yeah, it could be tricky. You know, if you just if you're writing a drama and you just, you know, focus on the drama, you don't have those little comedic moments. Um it could start to get a little monotonous after a while, but you know, like you said, with a complicated hope, you threw in those little comedic moments and it really, you know, it definitely helps the pacing helps the story move along and you're, you're hitting those different levels. <laughs> you know, it's like a, a little roller coaster you get to ride. Yeah. Yeah. And that's from the perspective of the audience too. You know, I think it's hard for an audience for a full length play to sit there like the entire time crying or laughing. You need to have those peaks and valleys. For sure, for sure. Uh, all right. Um, so uh, just remind us again, you are maybeplays.com. That's M-A-B-E-Y. I know it sounds like I'm saying maybe like M-A-Y-B-E, but it's M-A-B-E-Y plays.com. And Perfect. your social media again, give us that. Yes. Uh, on Instagram is jmaybe. Uh, and uh, the letter J, maybe. And then if you go to my website, I have a contact area where I list all the different socials that I'm on. But I really do like Instagram. I'm a very visual person. Uh, for So yeah, I, I love I love pictures and graphics. All right, John, maybe we're wrapping up maybe month here. I'm, I'm kind of happy and sad at the same time, because it was a <laughs> great, great talking to you is great doing these plays. Um, you know, keep writing, keep creating, keep doing all that good stuff. And uh, definitely want to work with you again, not far in the future. Jonathan, that that would be uh, that would be amazing. And if I can also plug one thing about you is you have uh, a buy me a coffee uh, uh, option uh, to support your work. Uh, Jonathan, uh, uh, not to embarrass you, but uh, the work you do in this this podcast is is so um, uh, extensively quality and supportive of playwrights and of actors uh it's so good um the way that you handle material and you're very gentle with it but you're also very creative with it at the same time um you promote the work of so many people uh and you give a lot of yourself in this that you're not being compensated for all of your time um i i really can't thank you enough for everything that you you've you've done uh because of this podcast i've had the chance to meet uh, and new playwrights that have discovered my work through these productions. Um, and uh, so thank you for all that you do for just the community of playwrights. 
Yeah, I appreciate that so much, man. You're gonna make me cry over here. Jeez. <laughs> why, why are you gonna end on this note? Oh man. <laughs> oh, th- thank you so much. I, I appreciate all that you said. I, I do. I put I put a lot into it. Um and uh, you know, I it, it's a passion. It's a it's a passion project and it, it's fun and I I I make it fun. If it wasn't fun, I wouldn't still be doing it. So all the playwrights out there that I've worked with, all the voice actors. Um, just everyone I've met doing this. Uh, thank you, thank you so much, and thank you, John Maybe, for this is uh, your your fourth play now that that you've let me produce on here. And um, you know, it's a uh, it's 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 always such a great time working with you and talking to you. I love it. Oh, me too. Like I really just want to hang out more, Jonathan. I, I, I want more, I want to write more plays so that you, we could just hang out more. Yeah, for sure. And and you know, you, you were not far. We're about uh, I guess two and a half hours away. So we'll we'll have to make that happen sometime before the end of the year. Absolutely. Maybe like a live gather by the ghost light event. Uh don't I don't wanna I don't wanna spoil anything, but um I think that's happening before the end of the year. So No. No way. I I had no yeah. I had no idea. I look, look, you, that out. you're making me like spoil the news early here. I might have to edit this part out. But, um, <laughs> But I will say, if that does <laughs> happen, so gonna, if that does happen, I'm going to need you to kind of. You got a free ticket to get in. <laughs> so, Jonathan, so I, I, I am so there, Jonathan. Like you cannot keep me away. Oh my gosh, that's so exciting! Oh, okay, okay, yay! <laughs> no, thank you so much. I, I could talk. I could just keep talking to you like the rest of the night, but we don't want the podcast to go that long. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. Maybe a month is only a month. So. There you go. There you go. <laughs> all right, man. Take it easy. Thanks, Jonathan. Thank you all for listening. And if you are associated with a theater and you would like to produce the play you heard today on your stage, send an email to gatheredbythegostlight at gmail.com or contact the playwright directly at his website, maybeplays.com. And if you would like to have some cool Gather by the Ghostlight merchandise, t-shirts are available at the merchandise link in the show notes. Also, the year one and year two books are both available at Amazon. This program is supported in part by the Greater Augusta Arts Council through a grant from its partner agency, the National Endowment for the Arts. Intro and outro music, as always, is provided by artist JK47. And if you enjoy this podcast, maybe you're a longtime listener, or maybe this is the first episode you've ever heard. Let us know, please. Leave us a rating or a review in all the places that you can. And also be sure to follow Gather by the Ghost Light on social media to stay up to date on new episodes. I'm Jonathan Cook, and as always, stay safe, and I'll see you next time we Gather by the Ghost Light. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.